Hello, welcome to Beyond Parenting. My name is Beth Hardy and I'm here to talk to you about parenting, what it means to you and different ways of looking at it. You may have broken free of the chains of the cycles that have been passed on to you from your family of origin, but are you stepping in the direction which is supportive of where you want to be? So we examine all things from things to do with partners, teenagers, younger kids, blowing your top, self-care and more. I hope you enjoy today's podcast. Here we go. Hello, welcome to Beyond Parenting today and this time it's just with me and I wanted to talk with you about the media and how this has become not just the media but how our current society is really really doing damage to us as parents and to um and specifically to mums as well because ultimately we're living under this shadow of the patriarchy and and have been for hundreds of years and it has informed so much about how we see ourselves and who we are. And it bears thinking about and exploring, not just in the the way that we often look at um, sort of sexism and the patriarchy and the gender pay gap and all of these sorts of things. So it's not just in those terms, but in terms of how we really actually think about ourselves. So this isn't just sort of fighting back and actually standing up for our rights. This is recognising the systems have stayed in place for so long that um, are oppressing us and our ability to see ourselves in our fullness and be and recognise our worth of really being ourselves and actually taking care of ourselves. Because... The reason I'm talking about this really is this is kind of my my hobby horse. This is the thing that has driven me for a long time and um, has is the core of my business, actually. So it makes sense for me to talk about it since it's something I is my day day to day existence is talking about this stuff and caring um, meant nurturing and it meant being there always and supporting um, our children and um, I had grown up in a family where my dad had a full-time job my mum did have a full-time job but not when I was a little when I was young when I was maybe three to five she was doing bits and bobs of work and then she started full-time work as a teacher actually because as a teacher, obviously, you can start work that little bit later um, and end work that little bit earlier, at least in, in our circumstances, because we actually went to the same school. My mum was my teacher. Anyway, so that was um, the kind of setup. So my dad was the main bread, breadwinner and his role was pretty much bringing in the money. I didn't see him a whole heap um during uh during my younger years for lots of different reasons my mum was the one who did the food and sorting out and doing all the jobs 
and keeping all the all the needs of each of her kids, well, her both both her kids, in her mind. My dad was involved in some of the picking up and collecting from activities and things like that, but it was my mum who was sort of the one who was dealing with the friends, chatting with the um, friends' mums and organising things and doing all those sort of day-to-day things. Okay, so that's my backdrop. So going into being a parent myself, um, I believe that I wanted to be as good a parent as I possibly could. My journey into being a parent was um, a bit tricky because I was of a very different mindset to the one I'm in now. I was very, very pessimistic and I believed actually that when I became pregnant that I, um, for some reason, I don't know what had given me this idea, but I believed that actually I was um, going to die in either pregnancy or giving birth so I was of that ilk so I'll get to what I did about that in another podcast in terms of my anticipation of being a parent I don't really think I gave it all that much thought I thought about the idea of being a mum and having kids but not what the actual element of what it would feel like being a mum and having kids I don't think it really hit me until I was doing it and it was a stark contrast to my experiences up to that point. I had been working full time. I was a teacher and um, I was doing quite well in my career. It was fairly early in my career, but it was I was doing quite well. And I enjoyed that. I, I anticipated going back to work when um, my eldest was, well, when my maternity leave ended. That was my anticipation, going back maybe part time for a little bit, but certainly going back to work. When it came to it, when I stepped into being a mum, I realised that the buck did really stop with me and that I had to do everything I possibly could to be there for my child. And that meant making sure they didn't cry or at least not cry too much and that I was anticipating their needs And I would always do everything that was necessary to support and help them become, you know, happy humans as they grew older. So here's here's what happened. This hit me like a ton of bricks. This ultimate what how I was at the time, I was just struck by this awesome responsibility that it it really shook me. And I went into a deep depression as a consequence. Um, Not helped much by the fact um, that I was getting seriously no sleep. I was attempting to put my baby down in... We had this lovely little hammock nest, which seemed a really great idea because they where I read about when I was pregnant was like actually it was really cosseted it was really nice they could feel like they were moving a little bit emulating being in the womb and all this sort of stuff and I thought oh how lovely but every single time I went to put my child down in this nest it was like after getting them to sleep and rocking them and feeding them and feeding and feeding them put them down and immediately woo! eyes wide open and totally awake 
it was driving me nuts. And so in quite early days, I um, decided that I, I had no choice at that point. I had to um, share a bed. So I looked up how to do it safely because at the time I was doing some dangerous things. I was doing things like holding my baby as I was falling, as, um, as they were feeding. And then I would be half falling asleep and I could have dropped my baby down and potentially smothered my baby so and I know this is quite common if people are set on not co-sleeping on being strict with their bedtime habits but ultimately the day-to-day -day existence where you have that constancy of not getting enough sleep can not only change your judgment but make you believe that actually, no, you can do the right things. You might sit up in a chair and all this sort of stuff. And that is far more dangerous than lying on a bed where the child, the baby is in a safe space and feeding or um, supporting the child to sleep next to you. The statistics, I, re I remember, this is quite a long time ago. This is like 15 years ago. So... Um, the statistics at the time, I remember reading about that and, and actually the research suggested that most of the time the fatalities that were associated with co-sleeping were associated with actually poor practices of co-sleeping, i.e. people who have done it, it inadvisably in terms of they hadn't planned on doing it it just fell into it and so they did it where they smothered their child because they weren't actually trying to do it in a safe way and they were trying to avoid doing it and I was doing I was falling into that practice of trying to avoid doing it and sitting sitting up with my child trying to stay away I remember this is how long it is playing snake on my phone trying to keep myself awake I remember this and I was like oh my god oh my god oh my god and really, I could have just done with falling asleep as my child fell asleep and then all would have been well. So, hey-ho. I made the decision to actually consciously co-sleep and do it in a safe way. And um, and then I managed to do that. So, there are you. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. You can research it and do it properly yourself if that's something you, you decide to do. But that was a really important turning point for me because it was about me recognising my own needs as being as important, if not more important, than my child's. Because up to that point, I hadn't seen that, I hadn't recognised that my own well-being was directly affecting my child's well-being. That was really there starkly in front of me, what happened with that. You know, things might have been different in my life if I'd have held that really clear all the way through my time as a parent. I didn't. Um, and I'll sure, I'm surely going to share some of that story with you as we go through these podcasts. So anyway, back into that story about um, deciding to co-sleep. So for me, um, I had been told by society that it was dangerous to do this. OK, so I was being told that I couldn't do this and certain that I had to buy this, that and the other in order to um, allow my baby a safe space to sleep. And so I had done all of those things. 
and it was around this time I hit upon a lot of judgment around my parenting practices that seemed to differ a lot from people around me and the way I responded to my child and attempted to not let let them cry things like this was kind of frowned upon at the time and I felt like you know when you walk into a room and everyone everyone is doing something and you're absolutely not doing that so say everyone's dancing and you walk in and you don't dance or everyone's still and you walk in and you dance felt like that for me and so I was really I felt like I was being stared at I probably wasn't I probably wasn't but it did feel like that with a number of the decisions that I made but ultimately if I get back to my point uh, my original point about being a parent in um, a patriarchal society it kind of went on from there so I was expected to be my child's everything and in those first six months pretty much my child was breastfeeding almost entirely all the time so and I was baby wearing so I had I had her on my chest or on my back and so pretty much I was her everything at that point that kind of makes sense because I had the mammary glands to support her life in that way and she was needing it all the time so I get it for that period of time when they're in great need at that point but as um, time went on and went beyond that point where we were moving to a space where um, I wasn't as physically necessary like anyone would do physically and yet I was still there and yet I made the decision to not go back to work rather than going back to work because it felt like it was too early at six months to go back to work. I was working in a nursery as a teacher and I'd be going in and looking after other people's babies and leaving mine with someone else and it just didn't feel very right. There was never even a question of my of my my child's dad staying at home. That wasn't even a question. And I know in there's some countries where that is definitely a thing, and I feel like if it was definitely a thing, there may have been a different story for me and my future because. I didn't make that decision lightly going not going back to work. My work was really important to me. In deciding not to go back, I gave up that job and and ultimately I gave up that career entirely um, because of future decisions I went on to make. But I cannot see that her dad would have made the same decision and, well, certainly didn't make that decision and wasn't even in a position to be able to make that decision it was so far out of what was accepted and certainly to a large extent still now in in our society purely because I was a woman and he was a man I didn't go back to work I stayed doing the parent thing and it was strange you know seeing all my counterparts stopping uh, stopping doing that being at home mom and going back to work and then I was like oh my goodness I'm all on my own again so I had to start making new friends and blah 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 so what I wanted to go on to explore here was the expectations that I had about being a parent and I 
as I said, I hadn't really made many expectations, but going into it, I realized that I had subconsciously absorbed the expectations of what people believe parents should be and how they should behave, and particularly mums and how they should treat their children and they should treat their lives. The key point that I feel was really important here is I was always assuming that I needed to be there and do everything for my child. I was there to nurture. I was there to be selfless, to give up myself for my children. That was the key message that I had been learning. Just that. You give up yourself in order to give to your children. We saw it on the television. We heard it about it in the media. Not in that direct way that you might expect, but in the judgment when people don't. In the judgment felt by the media in lots of different guises when people didn't make that choice, when people made a different choice. And the whole idea, if you go back to work as a mother, then you are doing your children a disservice. And then conversely, those parents who are making the choice to stay at home are seen as lazy and that they should be in work. (laughs) Then they come together and you say, okay, if you are working as a woman parent, you should work as much as you possibly can because you're trying to make up the gap that you had with your in your career because of your maternity leave which may be extended if you have another child and so you're already put back in your work and so you're working 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 really hard as if you haven't got children but then you have got children and you need to work 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 at home to support your children and to um make sure the home is okay and the expectation is that um, the mum would do that. So it is becoming less so now that that is the story, but certainly when I became a mum, that was definitely the story. And then conversely, if you're at home, then you are lazy and you need to earn some more money. I did actually start businesses quite soon after I had children. I, I wanted to do it, so it wasn't that I didn't want to do it, and we, but we did kind of need the money. We were, we dropped down from two full-time income to single income, and we were living in London before with London wages, and then we moved out of London, and we're not, on, and he he wasn't on London wages, so our income had taken a huge nosedive, and I felt the need to um, build it up at least a little bit, use. in in any way I could and that the only way you can really as a as a parent is by working for yourself if you're a parent at home it is what I mean without childcare and I didn't have access to childcare not without paying for it and then blah 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 and then I wouldn't be a stay-at-home mum and how it's impacted by what I see so The other things that were impactful to me as a parent and continue to be impactful is the growing tide of social media. Obviously, 15 years ago, we were at the beginning of Facebook and YouTube, but we didn't have the plethora of social media channels that we have these days. But regardless, there was definitely the 
idea of projecting what you your best you okay on social media and I'm sure I've been guilty of it and I'm sure you will have been at some point even if if it was only once right putting forward the your best day and then you put that in and say oh I had a great day today and blah 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 with all these pictures and stuff and everyone's like oh how lovely and all of this and we get all the likes for all the good stuff but the problem is we're seeing this all the time and we're seeing it in our friends and people we don't know we're seeing this amazing curated best life that is expected of us all the time and if it's not all the time it's the majority of the time so we're seeing this we're fed this picture we're fed it from um from the media from when when people have babies and then all of a sudden like celebrities have babies and then within weeks dramatically they have no stomach um and they are fighting fit and then going doing this that and the other and it's just totally unrealistic and we be- we begin to put those expectations of someone else's best self on ourselves okay which when we really think about it is utterly ridiculous but the fact what that we're being shown it constantly we we can't break free of kind of half thinking that actually we should be able we should be able to do that we should be able to have a flat stomach within a few weeks of having our child we should be able to manage a busy lifestyle and a young child we should be able to do all of these things and not complain about it and look fabulous doing it so when we all fall short of that and yes i mean all because even those celebrities don't look incredible all the time they spend hours and time making themselves look amazing or having someone make themselves look amazing or all the things that are the systems that are put in place to support them getting to where they are this unprecedented high that we are craving being not least with the idea of all the filters we put over our pictures like physically we put filters on but we also put filters on like for now i'm doing it right now uh behind here this is a movable um shade and um it's covering up the backdrop of quite a messy <laughs> office that i share with my kids that have got all sorts of paraphernalia in it if i didn't have it i'd feel uncomfortable we blur our backgrounds we put um fake backgrounds on this happens to be a real background but actually i'm covering over the nonsense okay so that's me telling you about my filters but we are surrounded by everyone's filtered lives and expecting our lives to be the same as that and then we don't don't live up to it so then we're like pulled down and feel made to feel less than and you right now have been hurt in your life you have been spending most of your life probably trying to live up to the expectations of your parents or at least someone and if not your parents the expectations of society 
and all of these messages, all of these things are telling you that you're not good enough because you are, all of that is so unattainable. And that message of not being good enough is the most hurtful and impactful message that we are literally opening ourselves up to on a daily basis. I mean, this is such serious stuff. I can't even, I can't even get close to representing it in its fullest. You think about one day in your life, okay? So take yesterday, for example. Can you think back and say that there was no thing that you saw or heard filtered? Nothing that was filtered that wasn't um, framed in a particular light. It's practically impossible. Unless you kept your eyes shut, your ears closed all day, you're very unlikely to not have encountered something. Even if it's going down to school and taking your child to school, there will be plenty of people wearing makeup. There will be plenty of people who are wearing their best clothing. This is all framing, okay? Yes, that is, that's pushing, pushing the perspective and it's not really that helpful to push that perspective. However, we, I, I'm doing it to be provocative because we are surrounded by people who aren't their true and true and deep selves, right? We are not our true and deep selves most of the time. We are in filter mode. Most of the time I, for these podcasts, I put makeup on. I made the choice today to not, and I hadn't even decided which thing I was going to discuss today. So I'm actually quite glad I didn't today. So this is me pretty unfiltered with the, with the exception of my background. And I apologize. It's going in and out of focus. I'm sorry about that. This is it. We're being told we are not enough. And not only are we told it, we are told it and told it and told it and told it and it shouted at us and we are filling with ourselves with it all the time because it's addictive. So we need to counteract that and we don't need to do it tomorrow and the next day. We need to start doing it now and we need to do it every single day because we are being we are encountering it every single day so if we stop doing it the messages that you are not enough is going to be the one that's coming through so for me personally right now i am i am of the belief i'm a good enough parent i have got that strong belief it's taken me a lot of work to get to that point there are other areas in my life which I don't believe I'm good enough at, um, but I'm getting there. To counteract all these me these messages of you saying you're well, people saying that you are not good enough, and then ultimately you start saying it to yourself, which leads to depression, anxiety, and all the rest of it. Okay, all of that it leads to making all sorts of choices and leads to anger and bitterness, you name it, you're in it because you're feeling like you're not good enough and you're constantly trying to prove that you are good enough. The problem is you're not believing it. That's the problem. 
You don't believe you're good enough because you nobody is telling you something. But do you know what a belief is? A belief is literally this. It's a thought that you keep thinking. That's it. And so if you have this belief that you're not good enough, that's because it's a thought you keep thinking because you are being told to think it all the time. And not only from outside, you begin start to, starting to tell yourself about it, okay? So here's where we get creative and audacious. We begin to change the thoughts we're having by changing the narrative, by changing what we are exposing ourselves to and changing what we are consciously bringing into our lives. Here's some things that you might want to give it a go. Okay, so think about your social media. Who are you exposing yourself to on social media? Who is in your newsfeed? And what, when you see them, when you see their pictures, what is it bringing into your mind? You might be thinking, okay, but I'm protecting myself from the news and media of all the doom and gloom. I don't have all that stuff. Okay, great. That is a good thing, right? But if those pictures that you're seeing in their lives are forcing you to look inwards and see yourself as therefore worse and therefore in a less good situation than them and therefore you are not good enough, then that person in your newsfeed is not helpful. You can still remain friends with them if you want. And one easy way to do it is literally just unfollow. Unfollow. Say on um, on Facebook, you can unfollow and then you just don't receive them. You can do that without people realise that they're not your like friends sort of thing, if you want to. So that's one thing. Protecting yourself from in your social media feed. Try and look out for people who bring you up and make you feel good. And you, you are the curate, curator of your world and that includes your social media. So you can make it just exactly what you want. You can put blinkers on because I, I swear without them, we are seeing so much that is not helpful. So that's one thing that you can do. Another thing that I've done is bringing in affirmations into my life and really souping them up um, by some people will say just jump in and say something like I am enough but the problem with doing that is when you say I am enough and you don't think that you're enough because you've been told you're not enough over and over and over and over and over again it can be a bit jarring and that's why some people say oh affirmations don't work for me and that's because they're jumping in at this really high level of where they really want to be and they're so far away from it they can't even imagine it so saying it just causes them to bounce away from it and become further away from that way of thinking so one way in for that is using emotional freedom technique, EFT. So doing some tapping. So we can do a little bit of tapping in a minute. One, I am enough. Okay, we'll do that in a second. But um, another way is to actually give yourself stepping stones towards the thinking. So the, the belief that you're wanting. So doing things like saying, um, I am beginning to feel neutral about myself. 
okay so um and then i feel neutrally about myself and then i'm saying i'm starting to feel i sometimes feel like i'm good enough and then i'm more commonly feeling like i'm good enough. i might often feel like i'm good enough and i am good enough and so you're going up the scale um to support you in that belief so that's one those are two different ways to do it we'll go through the eft if you've never heard it before, go and have a look at some videos on EFT. It's a quite a magical practice um, and it can really help you to break through things. So if you are um, already, you can give this a go. I'm going to do a full explanation. So if you're just listening and not on the um, on YouTube, you can um, go with this. I'm going to take... No, I should be all right with my glasses on. Okay. So we're going to start off with... We're going to work towards towards I am good enough um, but what we're going to do is we're going to start off with not feeling like say where we're feeling right now so for me as I said I'm feeling good about um, who I am as a parent but there are other areas of my life I'm not quite so there on so I'm gonna be be thinking about that as I go through okay so I am struggling sometimes to feel like I'm good enough I am struggling and so there I'm touching my forehead and I'm tapping it over and over again okay as I'm saying the words and then now I'm going to go to where the arms of my glasses are on my temple um, so between my eyes and my ears so I'm tapping there and I'm going to say I am struggling to feel good enough in all areas of my life and then we're going to go under the eyes, so pretty much where the glasses would hit your eyes, under your eyes, on your cheeks, and tapping there. So I am struggling to feel good enough in all areas of my life. And now I'm going to go under my nose, so just the space between your lips and your nose. I'm struggling to feel good enough in all areas of my life. Those people on YouTube can't see me <laughs> because I'm covering my mouth. And then under the top, the bottom lip on your chin, I'm struggling to feel good enough in all areas of my life. And now on the sort of collarbone in the center, I'm struggling to feel good enough in all areas of my life. And now we're going to go under the arm. Um, so lifting one arm and then sort of where your, your bra sits on, on the side of your body there. So I'm struggling to feel good enough in all areas of my life. And now we're going to tap right on the top of the head. I'm struggling to feel good enough in all areas of my life. So we're going to do another round of that going through the same places. This time I really want you to say that and feel that. Okay. I'm struggling to feel good enough in all areas of my life. So I'm on my forehead now. Now temples. I'm struggling to feel good enough in all areas of my life. Now under your eyes. I'm struggling to feel good enough in all areas of my life. And then, and between your nose and your lips, I'm struggling to feel good enough in all areas of my life. Under your mouth, under your lips, I'm struggling to feel good enough in all areas of my life. And on your chest, I'm struggling to feel good enough in all areas of my life. And then under your arm, I'm struggling to feel good enough in all areas of my life. And then finally on your head again, I'm struggling to feel good enough in all areas of my life. So what will happen is, as you do this, you may start to feel emotions rise up within you. Um, you may not. That may come later or it might not come at all. But if you do, allow them to come forth and go through them. Um, this is a really powerful practice. And so now we're going to move on to a different level. So making that shift. 
a little bit I am starting to see ways to feel good enough about myself in all areas of my life so this is on my forehead now my temples I'm starting to feel ways to feel good enough in all areas of my life under the eyes I'm starting to feel good enough in all areas of my life under the nose I'm starting to feel good enough in all areas of my life and you'll notice I've changed slightly my wording and that's okay and now under your lips I'm starting to feel good enough in all areas of my life and then on my on my collarbone I'm starting to feel good enough in all areas of my life and then under my arm I'm starting to feel good enough in all areas of my life on my head I'm starting to feel good enough in all areas of my life I feel good enough in all areas of my life on my forehead now. I feel good enough in all areas of my life on my um, temples. Under my eyes, I'm I feel good enough in all areas of my life. And under my nose, I feel good enough in all areas of my life. Under my lips, I feel good enough in all, my, all areas of my life. On my collarbone, I feel good enough in all areas of my life and under your arm I feel good enough in all areas of my life on finally on top of your head I feel good enough in all areas of my life and you can keep this cycle going and you can use any affirmations you want um, to support you and um, that can really help you on the journey towards the the belief that you really want to feel to get rid of that the beliefs that you currently ha hold I often do this with my my clients so the EFT is one of the things I suggest we also use other techniques within my coaching to support you in this shift because this is the fundamental thing if you keep believing the things that you believe if you keep playing your life out the way you've always played it out you're always going to get the results you've always had and things aren't going to change fundamentally if you're making decisions about what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis based on the fact you believe you're not good enough that is not going to help you to feel good enough it's only when you come from a place of feeling good enough you can you've got the free will to make the decisions that just you want to make that feel good for you so that's my message to you really I kind of went off track a little bit from the patriot patriarchy but it was an underpinning in what we were doing you'll find I'm like this so with all my podcasts and with all of my coaching and everything I do I might have a central tenant but actually I will go weave around the subject we'll bring in different aspects from different places and hopefully it makes for an interesting conversation thing to think about so I hope you enjoy having a go at that and I hope you're able to start making some shifts into things that help you feel good enough um, and start to make some choices that support you. So we've talked about the social media, we talked about those techniques that we've used, but there are lots of other things that you can do as well. And those are sort of things that I... I talk about in the courses and the coaching that I've, I do and you can find links to those things in, at the bottom of this podcast but I do hope that you can take this forward and and use these ideas to support you making the most out of your experience through life thank you so much for listening to me today 
and I wish you a wonderful week and I look forward to having you along for our next chat with a wonderful guest who will be helping us to open our eyes about their life experience and, and other people's lives experiences that we don't necessarily know. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast with me, Beth Hardy. And if you want to connect with me more, you can get along to any of my socials, your family wellbeing coach on TikTok and Instagram. And you can find me at Stop the Triggers on Facebook. I hope to connect with you very soon. If you have a question that you want answering, we might be able to do a podcast all about that. So please do drop me a line. I'm so grateful for everyone who listens to this podcast see if you can rate and subscribe so we can make it bigger and better every week